stingy or dusty Anything ragged or rotten or rusty Yes, I love trash If you really want to see something trashy, look at this Throw it in the trash Throw it in the trash Hello and welcome to Rapper's Delight, Episode 2 This week, 1980 So I'm your host, MMD, and the premise of this show is we're going to look at hip-hop history throughout the years, uh, one year at a time, looking at the best song uh, from that year. Now, the reason why I stress the best song, because most criteria for evaluating um, the most influential, the most memorable, the most classic, etc., etc., they are all subject to different uh, caveats, right? In the, in the way that you use them as criteria. That's the reason why, remember uh, from episode one, our required reading, um, the rap yearbook defines the best as a very um, kind of relative term. I mean, kind of. It actually is a very relative term. So let's play this week's song, um, 1980, as um, listed in the hip hop, or sorry, the rap yearbook, 1980. Uh, the most influential song they consider is uh, Curtis Blow, The Breaks. It's also listed as an important uh, beat in 1980 in my second required reading book, uh, Chuck D's This Day in Rap History. So let's start with reading what's going on. So... In 1980, September 27th, Curtis Plow performs The Breaks on Soul Train. Bo's performance of The Breaks on Soul Train was the first time a rapper performed on national TV. The breakthrough moment introducing the 21-year-old artist to the rest of the country. He had to beg Soul Train host Don Cornelius to let him rap live with the show, typically relying on lip-syncing for most of its performances. Cornelius told Blow off the air that he didn't Quote, really understand what you guys were talking about, but everybody seemed to love it. And then on September 29th, he releases his self-titled debut album on Mercury. Um, the album with The Breaks uh, featured second hit single The Breaks uh, during the summer of 1980 was the first hip-hop record to go gold, selling close to 700,000 copies in 1980. Uh, the album's final, final song, Taking Care of Business, was a hip-hop rendition of BTO's 1973 hit. Uh, released six years before, Run DMC would receive credit for merging rock and roll with their hit single, Walk This Way. So, it's a really influential album and song in hip-hop history. However, it still suffers from the curse of most early hip-hop being very goofy, uh, lyrically driven, 
story-based hip-hop. And you'll hear why when I start playing it right now. Clap your hands, everybody, if you got what it takes. So as you I'm can tell. Blow, and I want you to know that these are the breaks. He wants you to know the different kind of breaks. So part of the reason why I think it's kind of a goofy song is because he spends a lot of time just talking about the different breaks. Breaks in a bus, breaks on a car, breaks to make you a superstar. Breaks to win and breaks to lose. But these here breaks rock your shoes. And these are the breaks. Break it up, break it up, break it up. I mean, he's really obsessed with placing a lot of calls to Brazil, uh, your girlfriend moving to Another man. It's if your woman steps out with another man, that's the race, that's the race. and she runs off to them to Japan. That's the race, that's the race. And the IRS says they want to chat. It's kind of like Dr. Seuss. It's kind of cartoon, kind of goofy. And my bell sends you a whopping bill. Lost your job. And yesterday you lost your job. Well, these are the breaks. Break it up, break it up, break it up. Actually, this song doesn't have a per minute breakdown in the rap book, which is why I'm kind of lost because it's just a different kind of breaks. Breaks on your car, some breaks you take and make it and go far. Somebody say, all right, all right, say ho, ho, you don't stop. I it's keep a funky on. song. It's a Somebody really good swing. song. Let's down. It's light. It's fluffy in terms of lyrical content. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. So let's go into the can. So since he's obsessed with Japan, I actually got my hands on Japanese Kit Kats. Because what about, like the most breakiest candy is the Kit Kat. Because you break off pieces, you have a break, you enjoy Kit Kat. So I got these Japanese Kit Kats uh, by placing 18 calls to Japan. No, I bought it on Amazon. Cranberry rum raisin. the girl in green, don't be so mean. And the guy in red, say what I said. Kind of like this song. This Kit Kats kind of defeat the purpose because there's only single servings in each wrapper. They're individually wrapped. You can't break them. other than describing different breaks. It's really a tale about making sure your girlfriend doesn't leave you for another man going to Japan. Breaks on a plane, breaks on a train, breaks to make you go insane. Breaks in love, breaks in war, but we got the breaks to get you on the floor. And these are the breaks. Break it up, break it up, break it up, break down. 
page 20 of the Rap Yearbook. The point is this, Curtis Blow tied all of these different things and ideas together in a cogent and coherent idea of On The Breaks. Rap large scale adopted the idea almost immediately after he did. Third, The Breaks was the rap song that had a hook, or the first rap song that had a hook. Okay, so there is one important thing about The Breaks. The first rap song to have a hook. Before it was just verse, 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 without any real um, mark point or way of identifying where you are in a song. The songs are just the old verses, you know, hooks so you couldn't really differentiate. It was just all freestyle. how crucial move this was. Here's what Cool Moody said about Curtis Blow in 2003's book. Or his 2003 book. There's a god in the mic. The true 50 greatest MCs. If you listen to all the records that came before Curtis Blow's The Breaks, you would notice that there was a very important element missing. The hook. Curtis Blow is the inventor of the hook for rap all of the significant records of time have MCs rhyming continuously with the music break to break. But he forgot the part about his Continuously with the music to break to break the time. Well, these are the breaks. Break it up, break it up, break it up, break down. Hold on. Let me, let me read this sentence one more time. All the significant uh, records at the time had MCs rhyming continuously with a break, with a... All of the significant records at the time had MCs rhyming continuously with a music break to break the monotony with a music break to break the monotony that does not read correctly that's why i'm having so much trouble and then i've done this for a fourth take so in a sense curtis blow showed us how to write songs because if there's no hook there's no song How this being performed by Soul Train in 1980 would be a Because it's the first recognizable modern hip hop Because it has the That truly revolutionary. But this is not solely just influential. So, as with every song in the rap yearbook, there is a rebuttal. So, for this rebuttal, 1980's quote-unquote um, most influential song is written by Chuck Eddy, who argues that Zulu Nation Throwdown... Um, by African Bambata was a more influential song. So let's play that. Let's stop. Let's just read directly from the book. The 
first thing to understand is that Zulu Nation Throwdown wasn't just one record. There was a volume one and a volume two. Say what's the name of this nation? Zulu, Zulu. And who's gonna get on down? The Cosmic Force, the Cosmic Force. Check it out. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang, we all your main thing. You listen to the song that she is gonna say, say. We'll party all night to the people's delight. Cause everybody knows that we rock out of sight. Say we are the best in the creation. We go by the name of the mod. Zulu Nation with the mod. Shot. 
feel like, like you got sex appeal. And the party people in the place, you feel the bass. Can you check out the house? Check out the grace. So all flowers in the house, this is your chance. Show everybody that you can dance. Pump rock to the left and pat it, duke it to the right. Move your body now, you can do it all night. These are the devastating words that you never heard before. I'm Lisa Lee, huh? I got rhymes good all. So young ladies out there from the heavens above. That's right, never met a girl that I couldn't see go. So won't you hop, clap your hands and have some fun. It's a super dynamite. MC, chug, chug. You don't stop, huh? You don't stop. Ha, ha. Put it all together, girl. Because we're starting to rock. And to all the young ladies, just the name is Chubb. Say I didn't tell you to ask for your love. Because I'm a cool, cool oh, kid with oh, a healthy oh. mind. And I figured that for that will always take time. I'm looking for a girl that I can call mine. When she walks down the street, the sun will shine. And to all the young ladies, I'm talking about me. Because I'm looking for a girl that's so unique. I'm not looking for a girl that drives a car. To me, she always be my superstar. Because I'm a looking for a girl with a beautiful smile. And a young lady that's worth my while. Young ladies out there, don't you get up tired. Cause me, baby, doll. And see, I sauce like a bike. Got real sweet lemon feel. Now the MCs, they know the deal. That we always rockin'. We can't be stopped. Wherever we rockin' in the latest spot. I send the other MCs on standing tall. But the taller they are, the harder they fall. Cause we the, the fucking delicate of the microphone. Because we are the MCs. That's all it's long. But when we get on the mic, it's back to back. It says, uh, with the crew that leads the pack, I will teach the lessons that you never forget. Because we are the MCs that advertise. We're on to the crack of dawn. We're on to the crack of dawn. And young ladies, he from the top. He's like a singing on the master rock. And it also has We On to the Break of Dawn, to the Crack of Dawn, which is a common theme in hip hop verses to be uh, going on till the next day. Um, I can't remember how many songs in hip-hop we, we go on and on to the break of dawn, to the crack of dawn, the party's going on, something, something, rub some gold bond. You know, but I wanted to just bring up that line from the, I think, the line, punk rock to the left and Patty Duke to the right. I think acknowledging other genres and bringing that kind of relevance. Sorry, I'm, I'm dealing with construction. I didn't really want to record this episode of this because they've been doing all of the curbs in my subdivision um, this week, but... I have everything ready. I've got the can. I'm good to go. I gotta, you know, this is the breaks. You don't always get a perfect episode. You don't always get a perfect song. And this is the breaks. So, 1980. The breaks versus African Man Bottles Zulu Nation Theorem. I've said what I liked about both songs. It's still Zulu Nation Throwdown. A big plus is that it's got Lisa Lee. Um, but it's still one of those early 80s. A guy's going to come on. He's going to introduce his name. He's going to say a bunch of rhymes about how great he is. And give him all these damn similes about... You know, I'm the best. Compare me to this. I'm the best to that. I'm the best raps, you know? 
that are common in hip-hop. Uh, bright like the sun type, you know, great, great I said grade school poetry tripe, tripe. Uh, but the breaks has that importance from the fact that it really introduced hooks to songs. So this is a big downside to this song. It did not have, uh, it's just like verses, verse, 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 verse. Um, it's just like break to break to break to break to break. Back to back to back to back. You don't want none on quality acting. Like that cool Keith rhyme from the Prodigy song, Diesel Power. Uh, actually, no, that has a hook. So maybe not. But, you know, it's hard. It's, it's like a poet. A pub, like, it's like a poet. Why am I thinking of the word? Delivering a piece of poetry. There we go. It's, it's, like, it's like poetry. Um, but it's just all st stanzas. Stanzas? I'll look this up quickly. It's a group of lines that form basic metric metrical unit in poem. Okay. So, I was correct. Um, it's just all like stanzas. Stanza, stanza, stanza. Okay, so I'm, I'm, okay, so a verse is one line in a poem, but stanzas is a group of verses. So if you're looking at a hip-hop song in terms of poetry, the early songs, they were just verse, 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 verse. Um, each verse didn't really contribute much to the, the stanza or the, the set of verses, verses in terms of, uh, building a greater story. So, the breaks being, you know, hook, verse, but all about the different kind of breaks, also gives it a storytelling asset and its ability to tell a greater story overall, even if it's goofy-ass shit like um, calling 18 times to Brazil uh, and your girlfriend leaving you for a guy to move to Japan, and um, planes have brakes and buses have brakes. So, it's still, for those listed criteria, I'm going to have to give it to the brakes, but Zulu Nation fought hard against it. Um, now that I, th I think about it in a greater, like, poetry sense in terms of um, what it sets up for songs that come after it, I guess The Breaks begrudgingly is a better song. But, you know what? Fuck it.
You know which Curtis Blow song I like the more? I don't think it came out in 1980. But there's no song that's better than Curtis Blow's Basketball in terms of the quality of cheesy. Crap. So, here's Curtis Blow's Basketball. From 1984's rapper to sign to a major label and he had the first rap single to go gold but I always remember him as the guy who made basketball because basketball is his favorite sport he likes to dribble he likes the way they dribble up and down the court by far the stupidest but funniest Basketball somehow? Like, there's a lot of problems with this. I think this like, the guys clearly saw the bad out the video and they bunch of weird goofy songs uh the only one that has like a lyrical punch to me um in terms of having something greater than basketball to talk about is of course white lines because it's a song about cocaine and i'm pretty sure that's curtis blow i think that's also closer to no it's Grandmaster Melly Mel. Yeah, it turns out I was wrong. It was Grand or Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, specifically Melly Mel. So let's just play this Vlad TV interview. So before you started doing records, yes, what were the rap records that were out? Um, <laughs> actually. Uh, if you, if you really want to know, um, I, I made the fourth rap record in history. The first one was uh, 1979, a guy by the name of King Tim the Third. He right. made a song with a uh, fatback band called Personality Jock, which was like a, 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 a really like a DJ Hollywood sounding uh, record. Mm -hmm. uh, then came, of course, the big one, Rapper's Delight, Sugar yeah. Hill Gang. That was the summer of 1979. That was the first 
hit rap record. The big, big major hit. People say it sold 17 million records, but uh, uh, I don't know. We don't know. Nobody okay. knows. But it but was boom. But before, before Rapper's Delight came out, yep. Grandmaster Kaz was already doing his thing. Because I remember I interviewed Grandmaster Kaz, yes. and, and he described how... I wrote everything Hank said on Rapper's Delight. All right. I'm the C-A-S-N-O-V-A. That's my name, Casanova Fly. Okay. Back in the early days of rap, everybody spelled their name out in front. You know, okay. I'm so-and-so. When, when Lovebuck said, I'm the L-O-V-E, the B-U-G, all right, I'm the C-A-S-N, the O-V-A, and the rest is F-L-Y. That was my thing. Okay, because I remember I had read something on Wikipedia that said, like, you know, he came to you and you wrote something on the spot and said, here, just do whatever no, you want. No, that's bull. That's These bullshit. are rhymes that I had already had. It was already I, on that tape. That I was already saying. That was a whole story around Big Bang Hank and how they were partners, Bank and uh, yeah, He was the security, and, I think, of the manager or something. Yeah, and he oh. became a manager, and he lived in Jersey. Well, his mom um, was, was well off and bought equipment for them and everything, yeah. financed the group and got the group started and everything. Right. And then uh, uh, Hank got the opportunity to be a part of the Sugar Hill Gang and ask Kaz, no, give me those rhymes, man. He, of course, go ahead, you're my yeah. buddy, you know? Yeah. So, but. The rest became history. I don't, yeah. So, so there know. were already rappers wow. around. Oh yeah, we were rapping, scratching, break dancing, right. doing graffiti in New York seven, eight years before the first record came out. Okay, yes. so, so Sugar Hill Gang comes out with Rapper's Delight, and that was a huge hit. Right. Internationally also, right? Yes. Still yeah, haven't gotten to it. Yes. Okay, so then after that, what was the third record? Uh, a guy by the name of Spoonie G. Spoonie G, right. And the song was called Spoonin' Rap. My right. good friend from uh, uh, West Side of Harlem. He's from uh, Manhattanville Projects and the Treacherous Three and Kumo D and that whole group. Mm -hmm. They're part of that whole crew. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So then you had the fourth record. Christmas Rap. Christmas Rap. Yes, yes. In which Chuck D says that Christmas rap is the most relevant hip hop rep record of all times because it plays every year and it's like Nat King Cole. They've been playing it since 1979 and it comes around every year. And I thank radio uh, for supporting the song without radio across the nation. I thank you guys. I, my hat goes off. I love you for making that song a classic. So. Christmas rap, does that come out on uh, a Mercury or, or no? Yes, first artist signed to a major, major record label. label, Mercury Records, 1979. Okay. And uh, oh, that was a, a great, glorious time. Those were fun, fun days, folks. So how does Curtis Blow become the first rapper signed to a major label? Because Sugar Hill Gang was <coughs> independent. Sugar Hill Records was an independent label. They pressed right. up their own stuff and everything right. else like that. Exactly. Mercury was a big powerhouse. Like, who, who was on, on Mercury at the time when you signed? Oh, uh, uh, John, John, uh, John Denver, uh, John Mellencamp. John Mellencamp. Mellon oh, uh, yeah, John Cougar Mellencamp. John Cougar Mellencamp. Um, uh, James Brown was, Polydor was still assigned to right. Mercury. So this Stephanie is a huge, Mills, uh, huge Gap label. Band, Cool in the Game. Right. Cameo, Confunction. Okay. So how, how does a kid from Harlem suddenly get a record 
deal with such a huge entity. Wow, I, I, I must say that was a miracle. So we all attest miracles to God. Um, um, yes, first and foremost, it, 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 it was a blessing just to be at the right place at the right time. Uh, after God, I would say a lot goes to Russell Simmons, my partner, my college buddy. Uh, we sat and debated and, and, first guy and to argued be and fought about this hip hop thing by Russell for Simmons. three years straight in college, late night, but at, at going across the track, running the track. Is this before club, he got me too? Russell's dad, rest in peace, Danny Simmons, used to say, Curtis and Russell, yep. you eat, sleep, and drink. <laughs> August 7, 2016. And I remember when he said that, we never stopped running. We were very, very successful. Our our mission was to go to all the runs. Recently, and the Christmas rap is an influential for nineteen seventy nine. Not the best. Uh, talk why it's to disqualified. Our produ my producers uh, of my first five albums were two guys in partnership, J V Moore and Robert Ford. They were Billboard execs and writers. Uh, Rocky was a Billboard writer. He did a story on hip hop in seventy five and seventy nine. He included me in the Billboard story in '79 as a college student, and uh, Russell went and convinced him, and Rock and and JV Moore to make a song with this young Curtis Blow. So we were partners during that time, and um, yeah, they decided to you know invest their money and make this um, uh, a Christmas rap record that they knew would sell and play every year annually. Uh, it was a very smart idea, and uh, after we did the song in October, you know, Rapid Delight was playing on every car, every bus, I'm waiting every for train, the break. every cab, you know, every radio, you know, 24-7, and uh, we finished the song in October, uh, and Rocky went out to pursue 22 different labels trying to sell this song to a label. And nobody liked it. The first guy who liked it was a man by the name of John Stays. He worked for Panorama Records. And he s loved the song. He took it up the flagpole. The vice president said no. He quit two years later, formed his own company called Profile Records, and signed hmm. the son of Curtis Blow, Red DMC. That's Corey Robbins. So John Staines was another guy from England, London, Mercury Records. And he loved the song. And so let's sign him up. We can recoup this record in six months. So they signed me up. I was actually uh, an English artist from the UK. And my records came back to America on an import. Huh. And um, I had this strange deal. I had to sell 30,000 records for the first single. And then I get to make another single. And then if the next single sold 50,000 copies, I could make an album. Okay. And how old were you when you got signed? I was uh, 19. 19. Still a teenager. Still a teenager, straight out of Harlem. It was uh, a, just like a dream world living during that time, you know, traveling around the world, you know, just going to places I only heard of. I went to the UK, to London. I mean, Big Ben, I went to Berlin, I went to Paris, France, everywhere, travel, because it's a major label. So I'm, I'm working the system, you know, college student, you know, I'm working, I hate. Look what I hate about Vlad TV. Send me I'm traveling, going all over the world. And Still, when I'm I gotten to, to the point. These, you know, major city, every major city, we have an office in every major city in, around the world, because we're a major company. That's what major record company means. So when I got to the office, they set me in the conference room, 
And from 12 to 5, that's all I did was interviews, print, magazines, media, I mean, radio, television, whatever. They all was lined up and set in every city that I went to. So I was the first to do the press thing, you know, in 1980, all around the world. And so it was documented, you know, this new thing, hip hop. Mm -hmm. So you dropped Christmas rap. Yes. What was the second single? Ah, I had to sell 50,000 copies in order to make an album, folks, with this second single. Yep. And the song sold 840,000 copies. It was called The Breaks. The, uh, the song The Breaks actually was the first certified gold rap song in the history of hip-hop. So, so uh, Rapper's Delight never was certified gold? Certified. No, it sold over 17 million folks, but, but I mean... It was, it was an independent label. Was some I, I say no more. <laughs> shady practices <laughs> and so forth. Okay, got it. So, but you were on a major label, so they had to report everything. Yes. And, yes. and you had, the breaks went gold. Yes. You, yes. Said, you said how many copies again? Nearly platinum. Almost platinum. Well, it's platinum now. Yeah. But, you know, 840,000 840, copies. Now, these are 12 inches. This is a single. Yeah. So, that's huge. And actually, it is the second certified gold 12 inch in the history of music really what was the first the first one was barbara summer of uh, barbara streisand and barbara uh, uh, and donna summers enough is enough okay. that? enough yeah. is enough enough i can go disco again right but um okay yeah, that's worth it we that's history with that, that rendition of the song again thank you jv moore thank you robert ford thank you russell simmons thank you Polygram, Beverly Page. Worth I mean, 10 minutes of my life. It's a great, awesome, awesome team I was a part of. William Waring, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank you to my wife and my family, Shirley Walker. Now he's doing his Oscar speech. Mikey Mark Curtis Jr. So the breaks comes out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Finally. What happens next? Because obviously when you have a gold single. Well, Things, things start to change. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, another jump into light speed. I mean, when I first made Christmas rap and I started working the system and just traveling here and doing free shows and just meeting people and, you know, doing my thing and everybody's loving it, yeah. Uh, pioneering, right. it was all good, fun and everything. But right. when the breaks came out, that was like, I went here. It's like I could demand money. <laughs> right, you, weren't really getting, you weren't really getting paid very much before that. Very little, yeah. you know. Um, it's mostly uh, promo. You know, a couple so of far. thousand here and there, but you know, once I got into that arena to have a, a, a number one hit record, you, you're in a, a, another, you know, category of, of artistry, mm -hmm. and um, uh, you know, you're supposed to. Um, uh, conduct yourself a different way as far as um, your business and, and, and monetarily we're talking, you know, requesting more pay for shows, touring. I mean, oh my gosh, I got the opportunity to be the ultimate opening act uh, from all the experience as being an MC from 74 to 79 prepared me 
to play in the major concert arenas, I became the opening act because it was only one DJ, one rapper, two flights, you know, no big luggage. We got turntables, we carrying on the plane, so it's not crazy expenses, you know what I mean? And, and, and we're flying all over everywhere and opening shows. I mean, I remember I did uh, three shows in one day in three different states. I hold the record. And Jay-Z, I, I, I found out about, I don't know, about maybe about five or six years ago, he did seven different states in one day. And he had his own plane and all of that stuff. But, um, you know, it was a glorious, glorious time being the first to tour around the world, the, the first to tour the United States in America. And 1980, I um, got hooked up with an old college buddy I went to school with. Her name was Allison Williams, an excellent singer. So Allison was working at a company, uh, uh, downtown Midtown Manhattan, and they were the management for the Commodores. And the guy's name, rest in peace, Benny Ashburn was the manager. She worked for Benny Ashburn. She was his number one secretary assistant, but I went to college with her. So she found out about the curse blow and I had all these hits, then the breaks was number one and this and that. She pitched me to be the opening act for the Commodore's all platinum tour. Right, and this was when, you know. 1980. And, and Lionel Richie was, Lionel the, was Richie the lead singer of the Commodore's. was the lead singer. This was huge, folks. So I got on that tour. Thank you, Benny Ashburn, man, rest in peace. He actually did a lot for hip-hop. That tour was the first tour for hip-hop nationally, nationally. And we played every, I'm talking about over 150 shows, and it was incredible. I went to places I never heard of, Coteau, Louisiana. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, we played the, the, the college towns and, and played in, in the school arenas and was, you know, if you didn't know the college football team, you if you didn't shout them out, you, they, people would just boo you, you know, you just, I mean, so I learned so much being on that tour, just traveling around, meeting people, and learning the markets, different markets and the different social patterns of behavior when you go from, you know, Alabama to Louisiana and what you need to look out for and what you need to, you know, motivate the people about and it was just fun 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 a fun glorious time well there you have it everybody um curtis blow in his own words talking about the breaks and his big break with the song the breaks christmas rap definitely influential in 1979 but it, it took the breaks to really make him a breakout star i don't know how many times i can say uh break more and so for my several open packages of rum raisin kit cats i'll probably uh rum raisin cranberry kit cats i'll probably not be able to pass a dui now oh let me tell you about the candy so white chocolate cranberry rum raisin barely taste rum so the back end last note really not needed there because you have raisin and cranberry. Can't taste the fucking raisins. So, not really necessary. Much like, much 
of the breaks. There are a lot of great points to the song, but it still suffers from a lot of the 1980s early hip-hop uh, foibles. So this has been MMD for another episode of Rapper's Delight, episode two. I'm not sure when I'm going to get to the next year, 1981, and what candy I'll be pairing it with, or if I will figure out what goes together with 1981. But we'll see. I didn't think I would get to episode two. So another one is in the can. Dump it.